Coffee's ready. Guest is ready. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Prodigy Podcast. We are on episode 46 and today's guest is a UK athlete, but she's calling all the way from Illinois. Rosa Walsh, how are you? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I appreciate you coming on. So similar to the previous guest we've had, we've asked you to pick out five significant moments that uh, have had the most impact on you, that felt that you felt that have shaped you and uh, as a person and as an athlete up till now. So um, let's dive straight into one of the five moments that you picked out and one that people will know you most recently for, which is you competing at uh, the weekend of you competing in Grapple Fest and AJP. Tell me a little about why that weekend had such an impact on you and what it, what about it um, was it that, that, that it differed from from different uh different competitions um i think because like having to compete on the two days like i competed three times in the space of 24 hours and like i know it sounds a bit mad to everybody who doesn't train but like for me it was just like everything that i'd work i'd always wanted like i wanted to be a professional athlete i wanted to be able to compete as much as i can within 24 hours and i think that weekend like Winning on Grapple Fest, then traveling the next morning. I think I think I even slept that night, and I woke. I got I got to Birmingham the next morning at like eight a.m. and I competed twice. Then then flew home to Ireland on that Sunday night, um. And I think it was it was so significant because it was like it showed me what I could do. If that makes sense. Like it wasn't a case of I messed up and won on Grapple Fest night to redeem myself on the Sunday. It was like. I gave my I gave it a hundred percent in every single match and it paid off and I had done a, I had done a really really hard camp for it it was just I don't know it just and then like afterwards then I was getting kind of offers of sponsorship and stuff afterwards so it gave me a massive boost in confidence that weekend yeah and then I met I started like I met a load of new friends that weekend as well so it was just it was brilliant. It seems like that uh, the way you wrote about uh, wrote wrote about this moment it seems like this. Uh, was a moment of realization that uh, it comes across anyway that this was a moment of realization that something that you thought couldn't be real was becoming real is that the case was uh, what was it like when you were returning home after such a extraneous but extraordinary weekend like first of all I was exhausted I was beyond exhausted but um, I think realizing kind of how happy it made me, I like it was such a positive experience. It was hard. It was so so hard. Like I was exhausted. It was such a long day. I hadn't eaten much and like. But they, as well as that, none of that made a difference because like this is I'm in my I was in my element. And I think the fact that like regardless of how many how challenging and how kind of tough it was, I was still so happy and I was enjoying it so so much. That was kind of the realization. It was like anything could happen to me in the sport or in life. And it was like doing things like that, going on these crazy weekends where I compete multiple times, traveling all over the world with my friends. I was like, stuff like that is what I want to do. Like, and that, I think that weekend showed me that, like, that's possible. And I will look where I am now. Let's talk a little about the uh, the fight on Grapple Fest because um, unfortunately I wasn't be able, to, able to watch it live. Um, but I remember reading about it the next day and all I could or or, or, or most of the uh, stuff I was reading was have you seen the Rosa Walsh fight um 
and after after them watching it and um, the only the only uh phrase that comes to mind that maybe describes it best is barn burner i think um that uh i don't think i've seen a fight with as many submission attempts on grapple fest as many escapes um talk to me a little about the fight um and the the atmosphere of grapple Fle- grapple fest because i i don't think people um who haven't had the opportunity to see the um the event live um quite understand the the atmosphere um of that particular venue of that particular crowd um talk to me a little about the the atmosphere because i think you're watching your fight back may be the best illustration of just what the atmosphere in that place is like yeah um like i think grapple fest is probably my favorite show i've ever been on i think liverpool's so great like it's such a crazy city and then like even in fusion now it's like how it's laid out it's like you know everyone's kind of looking down on you a little bit it's a bit intimidating but um i think for the last fight I've been focusing so much on Nogi and like when I was in America in April it was all primarily Nogi because pre- preparing for trials and stuff and then Grapple Fest obviously I just I had the experience of the crowd which was something I didn't have because like I fought in Grapple Fest in November and I lost the decision to Nadine but it was more case of I was so kind of like freaked out by the crowd but then when I fought Marina in February that was a little bit more comfortable and then the last one again, again against Sula it was just like, okay, I know the situation, I know the environment. Now it's primarily about the jiu-jitsu. But like, the only thing I knew about Sula before I went into the match was that she was really tall. And then I met her the day of, and I was like, well, she's actually not, not that tall. <laughs> That's literally all I was thinking. Were you expecting someone six foot tall? Yeah, or somebody who was like, because I'm small, I'm like five foot five max. And I was like, somebody who's going to be double my size. But she wasn't that tall. <laughs> and then after the fight had come to an end, had was there a palpable excitement for for the, tomorrow's the next day event the next day's competition or was there just kind of i need five minutes uh i'm exhausted like what what were your feelings uh Im- immediately after i'm not sure like i think the crowd like even in the in the like the crowd is, is so fantastic as you said and i think that would have been what have dri- driven me on like even in training now um the same kind of situation to like you're at like like I don't know like twelve rounds in or something. It's like somebody asks somebody asked me to to roll. I'm like Jesus Christ, give me five minutes. But then I'm so stubborn. I'm like no, nah, I'll just go. So I think even if I was would have been tired, I honestly can't actually remember after the fight how I was feeling. But I think it was like I would have probably just gone anyway. Like I was so exhausted, but like my stubbornness is just much to my own detriment. Will always push me to do one more round. <laughs> Is that a trait that you've always had or do you feel like um, over time it's been it's been nurtured in you or or it's just grown as you, as you you've gotten older and more mature? I think jiu-jitsu has definitely brought it more out of me. Like where I used to train in Ireland, I was the only girl for a long time. Like I so coming up on 8 years of training and like for six and a half years I was the only girl. So like I also had this like ingrained feeling in me that like if I don't roll, they're going to think I'm not as good as them. I, like, I don't deserve to be there. So I felt I had to keep rolling and be the last one standing to prove my place. Which is fine. It's a good trait to have, I suppose, because it's quite resilient in some ways. But as well as that, like, I, was, I used to be battered. Like I used to be battered in that gym because I would not stop. But I think that's why I do so well here in, in Mount Vernon. Because like, 
that I suppose that resilience has stood to me a lot in all of the gyms I've I've um I've trained at and I've visited. But I do think it's to do with I suppose being the only girl against ninety nine percent boys. So yeah, I think that's what it kind of came out of. You talked about training at Mount Vernon with the Daisy Fresh team. Is that an environment, uh, a kind of gym that you've always looked for? Um, or what was it about when you went out there and trained with them that was different from any other team that you that you enjoyed most um, from being in that environment? Um, see, the thing is, like, I, I've talking to a couple of the new visitors here, um, they've, you know, they've all watched the, the video, the YouTubes and stuff and the videos, and that's what, what kind of draw, drew them to here. But I never watched any of them. I think I'm the only one in the world who hasn't seen any of the Daisy Fresh stuff. I just came because I met them on Grapple Fest, but... When I came here, like the gym that I trained in in Cork in Ireland was very similar. It was this gritty, sounds terrible, dirty uh, little gym in the middle of Cork City. And like there was white and blue belts and maybe one or two colored belts. And like I think it really resonated with me here because it was very similar like that. It was like the underdog gym who did really well, even though they shouldn't have. They didn't, they weren't these massive super gyms with like, like thousands of euro worth of facilities whatever it's this like tiny little gym in the middle of nowhere that just pump out these insanely talented people so I think that's when when I came I really saw the whole the importance of resilience which like in some gyms now that's great and all you can kind of like in flow rounds and everything but like I do think you need a lot of this type of intensity and I really really I don't know I really I suppose identified with it a lot being here because in other gyms, maybe it wouldn't be the same kind of culture. Yes, the gym is pretty insane, um, like, I suppose, looking, like, aesthetic-wise. But the, the training is probably some of the best training I've ever had. I guess the fact that you hadn't seen the diaries and weren't aware of the, I guess, viral sensation in the jiu-jitsu world that they were becoming um, meant that you met them with open eyes and had no pre-illusions, presumptions about who they were when you were just meeting them with uh, yeah open arms open open views I guess yeah like I just met like when they competed at the Grapple Fest in February um I still don't think I've really met I met them maybe just in passing and like one of there was the one of their the one of the girls who trains there Sophia she would just start talking she's like oh come out and visit whenever you can and then the guys kind of I met them as well but like to me, it was just like, oh, this is the, like, the only thing I knew was like this small gym in Illinois. I didn't even know, I didn't know where Illinois was. I'm, I'm not stupid. But like, I just came with open eyes and like, I knew it was hard training. That was it. I didn't know anything about the guys and nothing about the backstory or anything like that. Then I met Heath then at Grapple Fest and he ended up cornering me at the last Grapple Fest as well, which is so lovely. Like, the gym that I came out of in Cork, we kind of parted on not great terms. So then I, I represented Pedagos at the last Grapple Fest. And like, I think after they cornered me there, like, no, there was they, they, they had no obligation to, and they really went out of their way. I felt like that type of behavior really kind of, I don't know, it was such a, it was a really, really nice trait and it really resonated with me. So it made me want to come back then, this time. By no means should you belittle yourself for not knowing where Illinois is. Um, I wouldn't even be able to point to it on a map. I wouldn't even be able to tell you what state New York is in. Um, and yes, I think I think I don't even know if New York is a state. Is in a state? I don't think it's a state. Um, yeah, 
it's uh, U.S. geography baffles me. God, I'm very bad at the U.S. geography. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about traveling and training because the next moment that um, you picked out as a significant moment was leaving to compete to PANS um, uh, and coming to the States to com- compete um, and then end up staying yeah. for, uh, for for a longer period um, to continue your training out out in the States. Um, what led you to, to, to make that decision? So at the start of the year, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to do, see if I can do all the majors in the gi. Like, I don't really like the gi, but I was like, look, I want to do the gi anyway, so, gi anyway. So I booked PANS, came out on my own, um, a couple of the girls from Ireland were going as well, so we decided to all stay together. Um, then we went, we competed, um, and then I was going to come here anyway. So I had like it would be a two week, um, two week kind of trip booked. It was going to do the week in Florida and then come here then for a week and then go home. But then at Pans, I ended up coming very close with Fionn, and then she went back to New York after Pans, and I came here. And then basically, we just talked, and she was like, "Look, I've got a spare. If you, like, you can come stay with me in New York for an extra week. We can prepare you. Go to Essential with JT. Go to Marcello's. Go to Unity. Um, and we can prepare you for trials." So I was like, "Look, I'm 24. Um, my contract in work was ending in like a couple. It was like two weeks or something anyway. So I ended up quitting my job early and then staying for an extra week after Mount Vernon. I flew back to New York for two more weeks." Then I flew back for trials then. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of Fionn's fault really that I ended up staying like two or three weeks. <laughs> but it was just because like I had this little, like there was um, Amanda from East Coast in Ireland and then there was Libby from the UK and then there was Fionn and stuff. We were all staying together in Florida and like I'd never had like such a positive group of female athletes around me. And I was like, there's something special about this. So I was like, I can't just go home and leave this, this like this kind of, um, kind of go by the wayside because like they were all they we all, we all cheered for each other. I think Amanda and Libby were in the same division and they were like cornering each other between matches. It was realized is that like how um, not even healthy, but how yeah, how how beneficial it can be to have female, I suppose, friends in a sport like this where we are so outnumbered. And I was like, look. I'm not giving this up for anything. I'm young enough where I can stay. So, yeah, a month later, I came home. <laughs> and I have to say that uh, seeing you as a group of female athletes um, together at ADCC and then you you training together with the likes of Kendall, and I hope that Fionn doesn't take insult to this, but um, someone uh, with her achievements and her level of experience, I kind of acting as a uh, maybe mother figure isn't um the correct term for it but as as the more advanced grappler of course. um and and more uh, further into her career you could say um it's just kind of a, a, an inspiration to you guys and and i totally appreciate that actually being able, hanging out or hanging out training with uh, a group of female athletes who are either at the same point in their journey or at different points in uh, very similar journeys is, is is a great thing. Yeah, like that was the thing with this trip to America is that I came. When, why did I come? Why did I come here again? <laughs> for worlds, I came here for worlds. Um, I came here for worlds. Linked up with Fionn again, and then we both stayed with Kendall in California. 
Um, and I think it was like these two, like Kendall and Fiona, were trailblazers in for females in the sport. And I think having somebody who has done it all, who was so lovely, so hardworking, so determined, like just they showcase all these amazing kind of traits that I suppose a female needs to have in a sport like this. And like, I think seeing that, I was like, Fiona won my weight a world. Like, I was like, how cool is it that she's one of my best friends? And she has she is the the ghost in my division at the moment a black belt and i i think yes we all trained together and it was fantastic but it was like having the that kind of special connection that we all understood the circumstances like fion went through a similar thing with her gym um we both came out of the first same reasons following another type of loss um to america so i think it was like we just uh, me and sula had a lot in common that we never realized so we started talking same with kendall and i and i think we just, there was a lot of weird connections of coincidence going on. And the four of us all linked up. It was like, Jesus, this is something more than, this is just, there was, just, there was a really interesting kind of connection there. So, yeah, I think we're going to be meeting up again in the summer. We're going to, or at the end of the year to, for Grapple Fest, hopefully. Thinking about those moments with Kendall and Fion, reflecting on your time ADCC trials and seeing the likes of Ashley Bendel, uh, Nia Blackman, Libby Genge, and all these amazing UK female jiu-jitsu athletes compete. Um, does it feel like you could almost see into the future the the fact that we they already have huge successes behind them now, let alone what they could achieve in the future? Does it feel like you could almost see you know, see what UK jiu-jitsu and f- specifically UK female jiu-jitsu could become? Yeah, like I think the level of the athletes, like maybe like between late teens, early 20s at the moment in the UK and Ireland is insane. Like, it's terrible. I don't count myself as an old athlete, but like um, the likes of Nia, as well one, Nia Blackman, Libby. Um, I think Ashley Bendel's quite young. I think she could be younger than me. Like, yeah, I know we're very similar in age. Um, like, I think the fact that Nia double gold is a Euros, she got double silver at Worlds, I think gold and silver at Pans, Libby's insane on the Nogi scene. I think once they, I think the two of them are nearly finished schooling, as far as I can remember, because I, I know their parents kind of a little bit. Um, I think when they get into, like, proper, like, I suppose the professional, like, doing it as a full-time thing, I think it'll, they'll be unstoppable. The two of them are insane. And Ashley, sure, she's just unstoppable at the moment anyway. Like, I'm trying to think who else. This is terrible. I'm probably missing out on somebody massive that I can't remember names-wise. But, like, even in East like East Coast, Amanda, she is just... She just won silver at Pans and Worlds. And she... And, and Euros, actually. Um, She's somebody now at East Coast who is just unstoppable at the moment. So I think... The future is bright for UK Jiu-Jitsu. And even in the male scene, like, I loved on, I loved this on Grapple Fest, that, like, the European Trials winners that competed at Grapple Fest beat the, beat the American Trials winners. Like, Ash, yeah, Ash beat Keith, and then uh, Owen beat John Blank. And I, like, because, like, it's, there's such a horrible stigma around the European Trials that, like, it's the easier one. And, like, obviously, Fiona is just the next level. She won European Trials. She silver at the actual ADCC in general. And now Ash beating Keith, who apparently won, he did win, who won the, apparently, <laughs> he, like Keith, who 
went and stormed through that 66 division of the West Coast Trials and Ash beat him. Same then, Owen submitting John Blank, who was on the podium at the last ADCC. Like, I think the European people now at the actual thing in September will just, they'll, they'll be a force to be reckoned with. Mm. I, I really do believe that there is something special brewing and I think that we are going to see the results of that in ADCC this year with the likes of Fionn or Ashley Williams being our first or both of them being our first UK ADCC champion. I think so. I think Ash is a dark horse. Like that division, it, it's stacked. But he's And that's even with the results of Grapple Fest. People are still sleeping on him. I know, but look, it's better to be a dark horse than overestimated. And just going back to yourself, the time in which you, you went out to the States um, to train with Fionn and others and then making the decision to stay out there a bit longer, was there any apprehension at all about making the switch from, I guess, what you could describe as a semi-professional athlete to mm-hmm. um, being a full-time compete, uh, competitor, not competitor, competitor. Um, was there any apprehension at all about, about making that jump? Um, I suppose in some ways, like, there should have been apprehension maybe. But, like, I had a couple of next, like, from when I decided that in maybe, like, mid-April, I had the next couple of months planned anyway. And, like, I haven't really changed my plan as of yet. Like, yes, I, I, I quit two weeks before I should have, but, like, I'm still on the same, let's say, kind of uh, track record as I was supposed to be when I planned it all out. But, like, I think, once again, coming back to the, the female community that I've kind of adopted, who have adopted me for the next couple of months, they were, like, they have just given me so much support. Like, Fionn has been amazing, Kendall's been amazing, Sula's been amazing, um, Amanda, Libby, all of them. They've just, like, so and my even my, now my mom my sister back home in Ireland it's like you're young enough why the hell not this is an opportunity that you don't want to look back, um and kind of, and regret it, you know so I think, being like if I was maybe in my early thirties or maybe something like that I'd be like okay maybe I need to kind of think a little more about it, but I'm, young enough where I can make a take a whack at being professional athlete now that Fionn's going to be in America as well I'm going to be in America from July onwards like I have to go home pretty soon sort my stuff out and then come back again but like it's really lovely that like I'll have Kendall and Fionn here in the US as like kind of as big sisters I suppose even though Kendall's younger than me <laughs> but I, I there was no real apprehension because it's kind of like I always wanted this like I've always wanted like I worked as a teacher um, for the last three years and like why I became a teacher originally is so I could do the nine to four Monday to Friday train in the evenings and then compete on the weekends and like this all of that like I was kind of be leading up to this so like I wasn't very passionate about being a teacher in secondary school in that secondary school but now I did my I paid my dues and now this is the time where I actually get to I suppose live my dream in a cheesy way <laughs> of course was this always the, the the route that you wanted to go down was it when you from when you first competed that you knew that it would eventually lead to this point or was there a specific moment in which you decided right this this is where I want to end up I think actually funny enough um after COVID, like I had a rough time in COVID, quite a, like a, I was just a bad, bad time for me. 
but like around May last year, um, it just got really bad in Ireland. So I was like, look, I'm just go. I'm going to fly on my own to Malaga to Lilius Barnett. So when I flew over there, I flew over there for like two weeks back last year, um, and that's when I met prop. That's when I got to know Chris and Louise a bit better, um, over in Malaga, and they obviously put me on Grapple Fest. Then that's that the end of that year. But like, I think. I hadn't trained properly in so long in and like I'm able to compete and stuff over COVID that when I got over there it was like I was competing or I wasn't competing I was training like full-time training there it was like with all these wonderful people and like from then on when I got um the opportunities from I guess was networking over there like I got on Grapple Fest I got to go to a couple of shows and stuff like that I was like okay this is what I want so I think it was when I took I took the leap by going traveling on my own last year meeting all these people and then obviously after that trip to May, it kind of snowballed into like competing like early every week for about six months straight. Like I think in October that year, last year, I went to Costa Rica for my birthday. And when I came back, I competed for eight weekends straight up to Christmas. So then I was like, and like I was exhausted. I was working as well. I was absolutely effing exhausted, but I was so happy. I was the happiest I've ever been. So like, that all started in May when I was in Spain. I think from then I was like, okay, I want to do this full time. I'm sure people can uh, can hear it in your voice, but just seeing you recollect this period, um, it, I can tell just just how well happy it, a period it, you know it it comes to you and and how I guess joyful those memories are for yeah. you. And it's funny because when when you boil it down to its nuts and bolts for for people who don't do jiu-jitsu that you're going to work five days a week and then you're going to spend every other minute that you have uh training and competing at weekends in probably uh, a not too nice sports hall in yeah. uh, a place you've never heard of um it's probably not people's most uh idyllic situation but for people who do jiu-jitsu do jiu-jitsu it brings so much joy yeah it's just indescribable, like, even now, um, the fact that, like, I've gotten, like, look, I don't know if this should, needs to be said, has me confirmed, but, like, I've gotten a job in the US coaching jiu-jitsu and, and, like, doing, like, working in a gym here. That's how I'm getting my visa. But, like, that wouldn't be, that, none of that would have been possible without me taking that leap last May. Like, because, like, I wouldn't have gotten on Grapple Fest. I wouldn't have been able to compete and, like, I suppose get on all these shows, get all these fight of the night cards, like wins and stuff. And I think I do kind of accredit that to last year um, because like it was such a rough time in COVID and I was like, I owe it to myself to do this because COVID fucked everybody up. And like, and I'm, I'm a complete empath. Like everything will literally, it makes me cry. <laughs> I'm such a, I'm such a sensitive person, but like I got to a stage when I went I was like, I owe to myself to to do this because like nobody else is gonna do it for me. So I think um, doing like doing those five like working and like, competing, it was like ideal. But now it's like, okay, this opportunity has been given to me to be to do this full time, and I don't have to work those five days, or I can work in jiu-jitsu those five days or something. So I think it's like just the time came when I just knew I kind of had a gut feeling. I was like, this is the right time to to do this. So yeah. Out of interest, on a slight tangent. Um, what what did you teach at school 
Um, I we've had teachers on before, and it always fascinates me just to, them talking about their their school experience. <laughs> English and PE. And the, I mean, it's a shame that we can't teach jujitsu in school. I know. I, like, I taught in a school before COVID as well. And we used to do kind of like self-defense stuff. So you can kind of bring it in like that. But then with COVID, then you couldn't obviously touch anything. But just very, it's very, it's very simple stuff. You know, like soccer. Um, we've got GA in Ireland, which is like Gaelic football and hurling. Um tennis athletics everything all the kind of the the normal sports <laughs> and do you miss that environment at all um I think like this because I was in a, a different school from September to April this year and they were so lovely like absolute sweethearts but like it was when I was starting to like move towards the just jujitsu part so I was kind of like yes it's like it's my job but it's not my passion so I don't really I don't really miss it that much the environment and did the kids know that you competed it was all girls and like so they didn't really care (laughs) (laughs) um right now on to the next uh the next moment that you picked out and it's one that i uh i and i'm sure many other people um will get excited about because it involves the word dog and puppy specifically um you picked out uh getting a getting your own dog uh it is everyone's uh forever child um, because you ha- you do have to look after them all the time, but they c- continuously make you smile. Uh, why did you pick uh, that out as a as a moment that uh, was really significant for you? I think it's like um, I, ha- I had a family dog when we, when me, my mom, my sister were in another area in Cork, and like we had to give him away when we moved to our new house. So then I got a dog just kind of in the middle of COVID. I got a COVID puppy. Um, but it was like a week before I went through a bit of a tough time. Like I went through a bit of a bad breakup. Um, and I had this tiny little, like my dog is, it was literally could fit in one hand. So I think it was like, it's a bit personal, like, but like, I think having just having to deal with that breakup, but also have to deal, I have to like mind a little puppy. It was like, okay, yes, it's a really tough time, but like, it's not just about you. You have to mind this small little creature who depends on you for everything so it was like having a child <laughs> but it was a massive learning experience because like I kind of had to like I suppose kind of structure dealing with the old breakup because it was like okay I can't just sit in it for hours and days and months on end I kind of have to I, I kind of have to deal with it a little bit more like in a routine way because I had this little tiny creature depending on me and then it was lovely then because I could go out for walks and runs during COVID with the little dog but I think most of all it was more a case of it kind of pulled me out of my sadness because I had to mind him but yes my dog is the best thing ever and what's the dog's name Bobby great name for a dog yeah I think what's quite interesting to me is that you describe yourself as a as an empath but correct me if I'm wrong would you would you say that sometimes you do have to uh have a bit of self-talk like to remind yourself that there are moments that you do need to be selfish Mm. like I think emotions wise I'm an absolute wreck like somebody could say something in passing and I would be like be heartbroken over it like just like some this passing comment physically it's very hard it's very hard like to make me cry or like to hurt me because I just have a thick skull to be honest like I get a post on my head most of the time in training but I think emotionally, it's like, there's just, there's this, like, that's why I love the sport, is because it kind of, it forces me to, like, I suppose, 
not be such a, a wuss. <laughs> it's kind of like, I kind of have to, I hate saying this word, but I kind of have to man up a little bit in some cases because um, I am so sensitive with like, with like words and like emotions and stuff that it's, yeah, I kind of have to cop on a little bit. <laughs> I think what led me down this route as well is that you use the word structure and I think it, it resonated with me and I'm sure with many other people is that when your structure is such a an important aspect um of of what can can help people with their lives um whether it be through um the conduit of a dog or through jujitsu um just having that structure having some uh something in which to to base your I guess your day-to-day around it seems benign but it, it can be so valuable. I mean, people people sometimes don't think about their jobs this way. They think of their jobs as uh, um, obviously a means to to be able to live their lives and to pay bills, etc. But actually, as well as uh, jobs and hobbies and pets, a structure it can just be a valuable thing to to help you get on with your day and to to, to ensure that you don't you don't stay in bed and and things like that. It it seems benign, but actually, it's it's massively valuable and like that's the thing I think I really I lost over COVID is that like I had no structure no routine I had no training and like some like I was very young like I think I was I was 20 at the start of COVID maybe not I don't know 21 maybe I can't even remember what I all a blur completely but like I think like I was just before COVID now from when I started, I was just head first into jiu-jitsu, competing as much as possible and everything. I identified myself as a jiu-jitsu athlete. And then when we couldn't do it over COVID, it was like, who the f- I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is my podcast. Feel free to swear away. <laughs> um, I was like, who the fuck am I without jiu-jitsu? So like, and then it was all that realization of COVID, the breakup during COVID, like not being asked to leave my gym and stuff. And then it was a lot of other crap going on it was just like I think COVID just was just like a smack in the face then when we came out of it then I was like all right straight to Malaga so I think it was just very overwhelming and the lack of structure was just like made it all that much worse because like I couldn't go anywhere as an outlet because I didn't have my training. Identity is just such a fascinating thing because I've talked about uh talked about this topic with other guests before but I think especially in that late teenage early 20s period and for a lot of us um jujitsu is so it can be so all-consuming especially at at, at those Mm. ages mentioned that it is the sole factor in your identity and it's kind of all-encompassing in terms of who you identify as as i am you know i do jujitsu that is kind of the be all and end all has has the way you thought about your identity changed since you've done since you've gone full time or has changed over this period yeah it definitely has to be the one aspect because I was lost without it at the start of COVID but as well as that it was like I was so young I kind of like I didn't really know anything else but now having that experience of I suppose losing that part of my identity and then like among other stuff forced me to like okay what else do you like and now like I have so many other interests that, that yes, they don't really not as prominent in my life as jiu-jitsu is, but like I, if the, for some reason, God forbid, I get injured, 
I have these other things in my life. It's not the end of the world if this doesn't work out. So I think it's really healthy, especially for all these, you know, these, these super athletes who are like 12. It's like, what happens if they injure themselves? It is their entire entity, like identity to be a jiu-jitsu athlete. And I think now it's really, really important to me. I think it's, it's that's definitely separate. Like this part of my identity is probably the most important, but it's not the only thing. I think... I only learned that after, I suppose, losing it. Well, that makes sense because we, all of us, we only address problems when, uh, yeah, when we identify them, right? We can't address them otherwise. And um, well, well, mm-hmm. what are kind of when when you've been thinking about this? What are the hobbies that you've picked up or uh, things that you've kind of tried to explore? Um, try trying not to make jujitsu the the sole aspect of your identity what what hobbies have uh do you enjoy as well as jujitsu i love surfing and i surfed in costa rica over my birthday last year and it was amazing because like i only trained like once or twice when i was over there for the couple of weeks but like i'm surfing it every day and it was just like it was just mind-blowing um i love reading um i because i used to do that. that was the thing now that was really brought i brought brought back into my life it's like when I was a child I was like a super nerd I read everything I devoured books and then I stopped reading for like five years and then now it's only in the last year I've kind of taken it up again so that's a massive help um I think then having the dog is fantastic because I can just take him on like take him to little dog parks and just walks and stuff um and then with you and then I'm just a massive baker as well and that's kind of it. I have to probably start diversifying. I think that's more than enough hobbies. And as someone who can't bake and can't distinguish a bread dough from a cake dough, <laughs> yeah. um, I highly encourage anyone who yeah. does jujitsu to bake so that people who, like me who cannot can enjoy the fruits of their labour. Um, to, to get to the fourth point, the fourth uh, moment, the uh, pivotal moment that um, you've, uh, you've selected um, is into uh, in a period in which you were in Costa Rica which you alluded to earlier um and it was when someone that you knew who you were close to had received their black belt and uh unfortunately mm. because of personal circumstances um you 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 weren't there to to see that moment happen um and this was this had a had a big impact on you um talk mm-hmm. to me a little about why you picked this moment and um what the significance of you not being there um, meant to you. I think the big thing with that moment is that, like, it was such, I don't know, that was probably one of the probably the most momentous mo- moments in the last couple of years, like, because somebody now who was very close to me um, randomly got his black belt out of nowhere. It was actually the day before I left Costa Rica. And it was like this person now, like I'd known him for years. It was like, we don't, we don't talk anymore. We're not really friends anymore. But like, it was just really kind of hard. Cause I was like, I, I was his number one training partner. I was like the person that the drilling partner. And it was like, I suppose I had helped him get to where he was. And then not being able to kind of like experience that achievement with him was really hard to deal with. And then I also went to Costa Rica on my own for next the day after for like two, three weeks. But I think it was like I had helped somebody achieve that. And I know this person also feels it on my end on this way, like what I'm doing now. He helped me get here and I helped him get here. So we've been we were such a massive like I suppose influence in each other's jiu-jitsu careers and like 
the last couple of years we've both achieved so much and like we don't we haven't really experienced it with like if that makes sense with each other like we've, we've had to observe it rather than experience the achievements which is kind of hard and that that was really really sad because like I just I knew what he how much that belt had meant to him and um yeah so that was it it was just it was very like very kind of heartwarming but also a bit sad this as kind well. of links back to the identity point in which that did you feel that at this at that moment that your you weren't regardless of a I guess affiliation or who you who you trained with what gym you trained in that this suddenly you know your identity wasn't with a, a group it was as an athlete as an individual and that this was actually your path rather than a path that you shared with others. Um, obviously, you've gone on to to share your journey training with people, but this was very much a beginning of, of your journey and uh, as an individual. Yeah, and like I think with that person in general, it was like we had been such a big part of each other's journeys for so long, like for like the bones of like five or six years, so that when we ended up kind of not being a part of each other's journeys anymore, but he was still in the gym. It was like, okay, this is now, it's my journey. And I suppose my, like, reflecting on that situation with the black, with him getting his black belt, it was, yes, it was very sad and everything, but for me, it was more a realisation that, like, okay, this isn't our journey anymore, it's mine. And that was kind of hard. It was like, because I ha- always had a corner, and always had a team up until, like, I suppose last year. And then, like, I, comp- I competed nearly seven or eight times between yeah that 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 whole for the two three months where I was competing every weekend but no corner and like so like no coach no team no nothing so I think that was a bit of that was like the the biggest realization I took from that moment is that like yes it's fantastic he achieved this but it's like okay this really isn't my my place anymore it's not my journey it's not my team or my gym anymore so yeah but like, I still did really well without a corner, so that's something to take from it. <laughs> I can totally sympathise because regardless of, I guess, I mean, even what I said before about, you know, individuality, there is a sense of camaraderie and a sense of uh, togetherness that you do have with the gym. And um, regardless of you competing as an individual of a mat, or on the mat, shall oh. I say, there is a uh, a sense of, comfort in the fact that there is a team behind you and it's kind of like I guess a a, 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 a similar sim, a simile um, would be that it's like moving mm-hmm. house is that you kind of you know as much as you yeah you enjoy the comfort um of home moving on can be uh, and, and and even though moving is a, a great thing um it can be it can still be difficult and painful and uncomfortable um regardless of the the positives that come with it from significant moments to significant people as your final uh final moment slash thing uh you've picked out fion davis who we've already spoken about slightly before um the taylor swift fan slash jiu-jitsu athlete i think she would put it in that priority order too do you enjoy the music of Taylor Swift? I think I've been forced to be a fan. <laughs> I think most people have uh, uh, have been forced <laughs> to be a fan. And uh, you've specifically picked out her run at Worlds. It was, 
I think historic is the right word for yeah. it for UK jiu-jitsu um, as the first uh, UK world black belt. A historic moment, cultural moment, I guess you will, for UK jiu-jitsu. What was it like for yourself? Why did you pick that out as a moment? You know, witnessing the, the preparations that went into the uh, to her getting ready for Worlds and then, you know, witnessing the run through the competition and um, the eventual success. It was just, it was absolutely like, first, like the first, like during it all, I was like, what am I doing here? This is like, I should not be here. But like, it was just amazing because like, I only properly met her in February during that couple fest I did in February and then we accidentally ended up together in New York just before Pans in April so like we like I think that was the biggest thing with all the Instagram stuff was that we didn't come on that trip together like we just met over there um but I saw how she like the Pans final like she was like it was very like she took it very hard but she said to me back in April, and I remember it so clearly, she was like, this happened to me at Brown Belt. I lost the Pans final, and I won Worlds. And, like, for that month, she put her heart and soul into it. And, like, the fact that she was with JT Tara's, I was like, how? You can't get much better than that. And, like, all the gym, like, she just gave it everything. And, like, I saw the passion. I saw the determination. I saw the hard work. What's I saw what was required at that level. And, like, it was really cool that it's also, like... Like it'll be it'll be my division in the future, which is really cool as well. Um, and I think that like I think it's an Irish thing. Or, I don't know she's not Irish, but like UK slash Irish thing that like it can be very self degrading a little bit. It's like ah, look, if I win, I win. If I don't win, I don't win. But like in JTs, in essential, it was like no, you're winning. It was like you're winning, and it was like that. I felt like that could have been a massive thing in her in that month or six weeks that she was there between pans and swirls it was that like they were there was no like disagreeing that she was not going to win like the mental um the mental development i don't know if that's the word but like that they kind of instilled in her and they just even the environment that she was in up there like the gym is absolutely incredible like it's so aesthetic it's so kind of clean and like it's just so it's just really really lovely such a lovely gym and even now JT is the nicest person in the app in the whole world and he just the most down-to-earth genuine person I think it was such a lovely environment for her to go into and like experience it all and like they were like they were all there on the on the day of world's final as well like there was um a couple of her training partners the wrestling coach jt was there jt corner turn everything it was just fantastic and then all her friends from east coast as well were there which i thought was lovely and like i just think seeing the different like seeing her take that loss of pans seeing how hard she worked and then having a payoff like I warmed up with her for both. Like, she beat me up for pans and then for the worlds beforehand in the warm-up area. And, like, even the how she was, for the difference in how her behaviour was before the worlds final, I was like, there's something different here. And JT was there and, like, I think, like, Fionn's so weird anyway and, like, just so funny and eccentric that, like, JT was just, like, I don't know, it was just so lovely. So their interactions were lovely and I think the dynamic is really, really healthy as well. And just just funny it was very entertaining to watch like because i think jt is a bit bemused by her (laughs) um but then obviously her doing so well 
um JT being there as well and like how cool I can't I can't stop saying like how cool it is that JT is there like and he's such a he's one of the goats like um yeah and then she did it she did it then and it was absolutely amazing so it was just it was such a fantastic experience just to see what's required at that level and like the fact that like somebody who was a friend of mine did it all and I was able to witness this beside her like it was pretty it was just amazing do you think now on reflection that now that now that she's achieved this that it's it's more more achievable may not be the 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 best the way of describing it but that the path has been set if you will yeah like i think for like in maybe it's a thing ingrained in people who kind of look at all these like all the superstars in sport like you got to be in the at houses of the world you got to be in all these super gyms with all these like high class training partners and like anybody can do it and I'm not saying that Fiona's anybody Fiona's just obviously she is the best in the world essential is one of the best gyms in the world but like it doesn't matter what gym you're from it's all about I suppose what you're putting into it like you can put in 10 million percent at the right gym and you can, and like you can put 10 like you can put 100% into a gym like essential and get there or you can put 5% in a gym like a super gym and not get there like it doesn't it doesn't matter what gym you're from and like I think Fiona was really lucky that JT was there and there's another couple of the coaches now who are fantastic as well like John Marsh the wrestling coach is amazing but I think it's all about the individual and like the team and the coaches are obviously helpful and very useful especially at black belt level but like it's it's all about what you're willing to put into it like if you don't put in everything like she did don't expect for it to pay off and like I think seeing that definitely made it just I made it because I saw it I saw the difference I saw like I saw it pay off and I think that's what really kind of changed kind of turned my um my my brain a little bit it was like okay if maybe she sounds terrible if she hadn't one I'd be like okay maybe there's something else and I'm missing out here but like I witnessed her progress immensely over those six weeks to winning then paying off I was like it's it's definitely doable in the future I think you're you're bang on the money there that it's there's something I think it's a rarity that in the UK you find athletes who who use that that language that that they would you know you would come across an athlete that would say I'm going to take gold like it's mine that that kind of I guess positive affirmation language would be maybe the best uh, yeah. the best description of it. Do you think that that is something that you've taken away from your experience in that environment that language is just so valuable, so important? A hundred percent. And like, I, I've seen it in like so many of the gyms I've been in, in the UK and Ireland, where it's like, it's like being happy, like kind of not being mediocre because there's so many amazing gyms that I've been to. It's more a case of, like you said, like just the self-talk. And I think that was the biggest thing I took away from Essential, first of all. Because like that was a next-level like environment. Like I was blown away by that. And like there's look, a couple of things now that I would have seen as maybe cheesy before I came over. But I was like, it fucking works. Like, so why the hell would you not do it? Like they, they kind of like they put their hands in the middle after training. And like beforehand, I'd be like, oh, Jesus, like that's terrible. But like it's a team sport these people are all there we all have the same goal we all have the same like dream and passion as like who cares 
who cares if it's cheesy or not? It fucking works, like. And even now, for me, I, like, I was saying it to somebody back home, and they were like, yeah, that's so bad, Rosa. I was like, yeah, but you got to experience it. This is JT Torres. He's going on to, th- like, to win ABC for the third time in September. What what has he done that's cheesy? I was like, he can do whatever he wants in his preparation and do what he's been doing for the last fucking 10 years. And I was like, then call me cheesy if you can do that. And I think it's like, you kind of have to experience it to realize how powerful it is. It's something that we talk about closing the gap between ourselves, uh, as in uh, UK slash Europe and the rest of the world, especially the States, mm. um, closing the gap in our um, competitive, competitive, high-level competitors in jiu-jitsu. And we're already seeing that. And I think technically we're, we've, we've either closed that gap or we mm. are so so close to closing it um however i think the one thing that maybe generally we fall behind on and i think it's a it's more so a cultural thing and is that that the environment in which you cultivate athletes and i think the americans really emphasize this um whether it be um the most successful uh aspect of 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 that of the culture may is is something to be argued but i think when you you look at the environment for an athlete alone and how how much uh emphasis they put onto it that uh, a jiu-jitsu gym for that could cater for all all levels and all styles if you will is still of a different nature of a different breed than a competitive uh, a, a solely competitive environment for a jiu-jitsu competitor and i think those two things could be you know co-located in the same building they could just literally be different mat times i think i think the self-talk and the mental side of it is massively is the biggest difference between them like like you said like the Americans just have that, that edge on a lot of the other kind of nationalities in regards to, I suppose, the mental preparation. Um, I think, like, all that stuff at the end, like, the, the hands-in at the end, like, the, the, the massive thing that I really, really like is coaching somebody what, during a role, and I feel that really kind of feeds the intensity a lot. I think, like, I've, I've, we've, we have done it for other people, people have done it for me, and I've seen the difference in between, like, just, like, a role in the gym with a buddy, or, like, a high-paced role against a legit kind of opponent, like, and I think that really, really helps, because for me now, I can get lazy and relax, whatever, in, in a role, I can just take it easy, but if somebody's watching, and I always think that, like, if you're being watched, you'll do better, because you're like, I don't want to embarrass myself, I don't want to get fucking sobbed in front of somebody, I don't want to this to happen, or whatever, and then when it's JT walking around, it's like, Jesus Christ, they're gonna have to turn up the pace a small bit, so I think that's the biggest difference between, um, I suppose, competitive gym and a normal gym, because, like, there's just a small bit more of, let's say, an ease, like, an, a relaxed environment in the non-competitive gym. I, I think you you couldn't have said it better. So to, to move on to the final aspect of this interview, which is is more self-reflection. If you We've gone from, well, we've gone from self-reflection um, and now to thinking of the future. So what, 
what does the future look like for for Rosa Walsh? Whether you be, whether you're thinking about the athlete part of your life or you know personal circumstance, what when when I ask you to think about what the future looks like for you, what comes to mind? I think for the next couple of months, I guess really exciting, like because I'm flying home this weekend to Ireland to see my family and my dog. Thank God. They are like, are you ever coming home? Um, so I'm going back for a month and then I'm coming back for a good while. So I think I've kind of decided, I was like, there's nothing really left for me in Ireland. Um, like, I don't really, I don't have a gym. My family's there, but they're all kind of doing their own things. Um, I think I will do a couple of the Opens in the US during the summer. And then I will be attending ADCC to watch Fionn and obviously in JT and Kendall and all these wonderful people. So I have a plan up until like October for my birthday. But then after that, it's kind of like, I'll see, I'll take it as it comes. Like, I don't like, I do have like some kind of personal goals in the future, but like it's everything is just so kind of chaotic at the moment. Like going between two continents, like just like I'm living out of a suitcase for the last couple of weeks it's just at the moment I'm only thinking so far ahead so if I think any further I'm like I'll just overwhelm myself but at the moment I'm really really content at what's happening with with life in general like I have wonderful friends and like I have a wonderful family like the training I'm getting although it is fairly sporadic among a, a number of gyms like it is really good so I think the main thing is going back home and kind of recharging for a bit and then taking all my stuff and moving over to Kendall's for the summer, maybe more. And if I may say so, rather than a specific goal, it feels like it's more about embracing, I guess, chaos or embracing the the many opportunities or many paths that uh, may come your way is more so the focus uh, at this very moment. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I'm just enjoying this journey, this part of my journey. It's it, like it's so healthy. It's so, it's so fun. It's so positive. It's like I'm in this like this the middle of nowhere in Illinois. I just came from like training in gorgeous California with these wonderful females who have just like been more than supportive. I was like now going home now to my family who I haven't seen in God knows how long. Um, so it's just yeah, I'm just enjoying this part of my journey and like. There is a couple of goals in the future, but like I have the next couple of months planned. So I'm just seeing how it goes. Well, on that note, thank you once again for for sharing some really significant moments and for sharing a bit more about your story with everyone else. Um, It was my pleasure interviewing you. So thank you very much, Rosa Walsh. Thank you so much for having me on. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. To keep up to date with all our latest stuff, follow us at The Prodigy Podcast on Instagram.